baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by St. Louis Cardinals Baseball. Cardinal tickets are on sale now and start at $55. Details at cardinals.com slash holiday. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks pours Chris Ranji on KMOX. It is a Monday morning, the week before Christmas. We are one week away from Christmas, but it feels, since Christmas is on a Monday, next Monday exactly, I feel like this is already Christmas week. Is technically next week Christmas week, Michael Kelly? Yeah, next Monday, right, is Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Um, But yeah, this is essentially the week, (laughs) right? This is the week. This is the week. This is when you slap people on the back, give them a present. That's exactly right. Eat too much food, not feel guilty. Oh, this is it. This is what we were looking for. Yeah. It's the most, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And yes, that is the voice of Michael Kelly, who's sitting in for Chris Ranji. I'm Amy Mark Scores, and if you are listening to us and Andy Williams on 1120 AM and you're anywhere near the 40 corridor, you might want to check out 98.7 FM, a crystal clear sound there. I always have 98.7 FM on my car. You can also listen to the Odyssey app and take us with you wherever you go and whatever you're doing throughout the day. I also have the Odyssey app on my phone. Constant KMOX for me. You can download the app. You can rewind live radio in case you miss anything. And we are going to podcast our show today as we do every day. So if you miss a segment, an interview, or the whole thing, you can check it out wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcast. It's the Chris and Amy Show Podcast. And she's not kidding about 98.7. If you've not heard Amy Mark's course in stereo, you're missing out. You need oh, to baby. be you need to be on 98.7. That's right. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, everybody's talking about President Joe Biden and whether or not he will be running for re-election. We are less than a year away from the presidential election and no better person to discuss Biden's intentions than Mr. Michael Kelly. Yeah, and the votes start in less than a month up in Iowa. And hey, if you've heard the stories about downtown St. Louis, crimes everywhere, etc., people aren't going there, you're wrong. Crowds were overwhelming this weekend in downtown St. Louis. So much going on. We've got stories to tell you about. And Weight Watchers, famous for their point system. They're eschewing points in meetings and going the way of the weight loss drug. CNN senior reporter Nicole Goodkind joins us later to discuss this shift from Weight Watchers. You saw Oprah. She's taking weight loss drugs. That seems to be the way of the future. So, Michael Kelly, you had a good weekend. I did. It was uh, it was nice. It, it's stupid cold out there now. I guess it's the wind. Did you run this morning in this wind? I didn't run this morning, but I am so glad. This is not that cold. This is, what, 35 yeah, degrees? Right, this right. is how December should be. I'm happier today than I've been this entire month. Because it's cold. 
finally. It's cold and but, sunny. But as a person who likes to run, do you like to run in the extreme yes. cold? Whoa, really? Yeah, I do. Doesn't it like frostbite your face and stuff? No, I mean, you can have the right equipment, right? You have like the face covers, the balaclavas, good gloves. The what? what balaclavas, like ski masks, basically. You wear a ski mask when you run? When it's very cold. Oh, I totally want single pictures digits, of this. Yeah, I've, I, I've got them. I mean, it's not that exciting. It's just uh, very, very... What was the word you used? Balaclava? <laughs> balaclava. Have you ever heard of that, Dave? I've never heard of balaclava. Yeah, I've heard of them. But, I mean, am I it, like the it's, only It's like person? a face covering where all your eyes peek out. I've never uh-huh. heard it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I understand what it is, and but really, really what a fancy word. In the single digits. That's when I'll use that. But otherwise. But yeah. no, I mean, this 53 degrees and raining, yeah. that's not Christmas. Hey, if it's going to be cold and silly, go ahead and snow is what I say. Let's let's have it be cold. Hey, I know you were talking about downtown this weekend. I will, I'll say as a quick note leading into that, every day I uh, drive by City Hall and down Market and we've seen the homeless encampments. It was in front of City Hall and then they closed it for restoration, quotes, air quotes, and it basically moved just across the sidewalk, still on the same side of the street in front of a building that I think is empty now, but an old city building. And I had been very, a couple of weeks ago, very critical of that situation because I drove up to work on a Monday and it looked like several dumpsters had absolutely exploded. And Alderwoman Shamim Clark Hubbard, who always listens to the show and will uh, thoughtfully push back, right, if if there's like a criticism like that, that she said, well, here's what we're doing. She did push back and say they have people cleaning that area every few days. And I will say since then, considering there's a homeless encampment there, they keep it cleaner than some areas right. like where the firefighter memorial okay. was. So it stays clean. Fine it was cleaner. Well. Yeah. And I like Shmeem. Uh I think she's a good uh, representative. I think she's well-intentioned. Um, But part of this whole situation that we're allowing to happen in downtown St. Louis is simply that. We're allowing this to happen. There are places, there are shelters, there are services for the homeless. But we've got this new system of we need to allow people to live their own way and we're allowing these encampments. I don't think it makes any sense. I don't think it's helpful for the city. I don't think it's helpful for the people who want to live in these encampments. And why do we have all these services if we're not going to force folks to go utilize them? Yes, being in, going and squatting on some property mm-hmm. may be your personal right, et cetera. But no, it's not. I mean, come on. And this is where, and this was the, the initial city encampments in front of City Hall. They, It looked like the city had done everything it could do to get those people off the lawn And I say get the people off the lawn, meaning the encampment, but then giving them a place to go with shelters and with uh, resources so that you could have either get into a program or get into an overnight shelter or have some resources to as a backup instead of being on the lawn of City Hall, which is just not a, a good look or even practical for the safety of the city. I feel like the encampment is much smaller right now. So some of those people might have taken advantage of what the city had to offer. So I would say if anything that the city has done, 
Yeah. It's helped, it seems, as many people as possible in that homeless encampment. They're keeping it clean, and there's only a few tents versus dozens. It was bad when it was dozens and dozens. And look, we're awfully critical of the city, but they're the only ones dealing with this problem. Mm -hmm. Why? Because most of you all who are listening to us uh, don't live in the city of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. You live out in St. Charles or Jefferson or uh, uh, St. Louis County. And guess what? Your county's not providing the same types of homeless services we mm-hmm. have in the city of St. Louis. In fact, most of these, a lot of these homeless people that could be pushed to downtown St. Louis may have come from your neighborhood. So this homelessness problem is a problem for the entire region. It seems like the city's the only ones who have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Now, the city has more money than it's ever had to be able to deal with homelessness, which is why I'm, uh, you know, confounded as to why we're allowing this whole culture of embracing and allowing and it's okay for you to want to be out here doing this, that, and the other and not forcing folks into program. But for those of you uh, from around the region, you should be grateful to the city of St. Louis for the work they do. And maybe uh, you ought to start considering whether or not your uh, particular municipalities and counties ought to be kicking in to help out. Yeah, I feel like I am both... I don't know. Can you be equal champion and critic, you know, of the city because you want the city to succeed? Now, you said you had a positive experience this weekend. Buddy, uh, let me tell you. So um, on Saturday, I was invited to a Christmas party in downtown St. Louis near Ballpark Village. And uh, look, uh, we've all tracked what's going on with St. Louis. We saw the dwindling crowds during Mm -hmm. the Cardinals uh, season. But I went past Union Station. You couldn't find a parking space within six blocks of Union Station. I got all the way up to um, uh, Ballpark Village where my event was going to be on Saturday. For 30 minutes, I circled around to all the different garages. I finally had to go into the stadium garage Mm -hmm. uh, and went up six or seven floors. They had folks in Keener Plaza uh, everywhere down here uh, ice skating and celebrating uh, in front of the menorah and the Christmas tree and everything that's going on there. Despite everything you may be hearing about uh, negative and the zits uh, of St. Louis, it was rocking and rolling mm-hmm. in one beautiful place this weekend. You know, I, I was impressed. It's, I think it is illustrative of a larger reality that people will come downtown St. Louis. They will head downtown. We see it for Cardinals games. Mm-hmm. We saw it for the Blues Championship Parade. You're seeing it for the holiday festivities. Sometimes this whole idea of bringing people back downtown sounds big and impossible, especially when we do see where the city is failing. And whether that be with, you know, a shortage of police officers or 911 calls not getting answered or potholes, whatever it may be, it's easy to focus on the negatives. But I think people would flock downtown with a few small practical changes. Well, and they they are flacking, flocking, flacking. <laughs> they are flocking downtown for these great events. So the O'Laughlins have done an incredible thing with everything that's going on at Union Station. The Cardinals have stuff going on at Ballpark Village. Uh, great St. Louis, I think, is hosting the uh, thing, the Winter Carnival that's mm-hmm. taking place at Keener Plaza. So it's proof that people will come down here. Now, you and I work down here during the weekdays. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to hurt anybody in the middle of the day. There is nobody down here. Um, So maybe reimagining what downtown's going to look like. Maybe it becomes the entertainment hub of the region. Goodness knows that it's been working over the weekends. Uh, I was encouraged by it. Uh, I saw plenty of police officers on the streets this weekend. And look, I'm one of the biggest critics. I've Mm -hmm. been... You know, I've invested my entire life, my entire savings, my business, my home. Everything's in the city of St. Louis. And I've seen the failures of lack of police. I did not see that this weekend. Yeah. I Things think, were happening. And that it's so funny. It's just this 
absolute dichotomy because you have <laughs> yes. your experience. And then this morning, I get off at 14th. I turn right on market. I make my way toward Tucker. And I think I had to zoom around or drive around more people than cars. Uh-huh. You know, there's not a lot of traffic downtown. There was a, a woman who ostensibly was homeless barefoot, just kind right. of standing in the middle of market. And you feel bad. You also don't necessarily always feel safe if there's right. someone standing in the middle of the road. There was a little bit of a traffic jam, like a three-car traffic jam, because two guys, I guess, from the homeless encampment were standing in the middle of the road. Right. And people were trying to carefully go around them. So you have that experience just hours after your experience right. with Hundreds or thousands of people down here. Right. And at the same time, though, Amy, uh, like I said, I was out and about this weekend. I couldn't believe the amount of people on intersections Mm -hmm. in St. Louis County. And I'm talking in nice areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ledoux. uh, Clayton. uh, Yes. uh, Olive and 270. Um, The the amount of people standing with signs begging for money. I don't think I'd ever seen Mm -hmm. that many folks and that many places, and usually it's been concentrated in downtown. I'm seeing it everywhere now. Not in. I live in the Central West End, so Highway 40 and Kings Highway. There's, it's the same group of 10 to 15 folks that are yeah. there all the time. And I think I've always been used to seeing them around BJC and that stuff. But I could not believe how many I saw out in Chesterfield and everywhere. What what's going on? Is that this new law or what is happening? Yeah, that's a great question. I've seen it as well. Michael Kelly sitting in for Chris mm-hmm. Ranji, and we need to talk to Michael because what's going on with President is he Joe running? Biden? Is he running? Is he not running? That's next on the Chris and Amy show on Hey Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show players managers gms and yes even the commissioner of baseball rob manfred it has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did game ox amy mark scores michael kelly with you on a monday morning the last monday before christmas okay michael kelly uh It's crazy to think that the presidential election is less than a year away and you talk about tumult and people being unsure of who, not just who they will vote for, but who will they will have as options to vote for. Yeah, and we know that, what, in less than a month, they'll start voting in the Republican primary up in Iowa. Now, I I think most of us, I think my friend John Hancock would say this, is that... uh, the Republican primary is kind of a far gone conclusion. It's really Donald Trump's to lose. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any way short of him not being alive yeah. that he's not going to be the Republican nominee. Um, and so it's the same thing for the president. Anytime you have an incumbent United States uh, president running for reelection, they're not often challenged. Probably the most recent big challenge would have been what? Ted Kennedy against um, uh, Jimmy Carter back in uh, the 80s. But uh President Biden says he's running, but Amy, is he acting like a presidential candidate? I would argue to you half yes and half no. What do I mean by that? Well, most people believe that this upcoming presidential election will be a billion dollar campaign. For some perspective, uh, when Bill Clinton ran in the 90s uh, for the first time, it was a record breaking election. The 
Clinton campaign and their surrounding organizations spent $100 million. Hmm. And uh, this upcoming election, they're expected to spend $1 billion each on each side of the aisle. So that's the Republican side, you know, for President Trump and all the allied organizations and the same thing on the Democratic side. So uh, Joe Biden is out raising that money right now, but we've not seen him out on the stump the way that we've seen President Trump and Ron DeSantis, et cetera. And who have we seen out there? Well, we've seen a lot of Gavin Newsom. We've seen some J.B. Pritzker. So I think that's helping perpetuate this narrative uh, that that maybe Joe Biden's not going to run for reelect. I was one of those people at the beginning of the year, Amy, um, of 2023, who thought it was more than likely that Joe Biden wouldn't be the nominee. Hmm. Uh, not because um, he would get beat, simply because he was going to say, hey, this is, I've done what I can do and I'm going to step aside and he's chosen not to do that. It, for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's all in. Um, but is he? Uh, when, when will the president be out running, taking these candidates on directly? Um, and so uh, I think that part of the problem that the Democratic Party is running into as to whether or not Joe Biden's going to nominee is the actions of the president and that outside of fundraising, we don't see Joe Biden out doing mm-hmm. much. Do you think what if I, you know, this was used as a pejorative, right? Basement Joe in 2020. He wasn't out a lot as no. much as a lot of other presidential candidates. So is it fair to say, well, honestly, Joe isn't doing any less campaigning than he did in 2020 and he's already the president so is that not is well, he it, double considering in that double duty that's campaigning that's an excellent question and, and it probably uh, is the right answer and has running for president changed because donald trump showed us that all of the regular ways of running for president going to these states spending a lot of time putting together these operations that knock doors etc um may not be necessary uh the trump campaign is pretty much Uh, The first campaign was pretty much an online campaign. That's really how he got a lot of the attention, and he was able to build this type of support. At the same time, we had COVID going on. Joe Biden did run out of his basement. Um, They reinvented the way that we campaign, but uh, we don't have those restrictions. We don't have those same uh, issues going into 2024, yet the two frontrunners are barely out on the stump. Donald Trump's maybe out once, twice a week. Uh, showing up places. And Joe Biden is just kind of executing his regular uh, daily tasks when, and at the same time, Nikki Haley, Mm -hmm. um, Ron DeSantis, and and the rest of them are running a traditional campaign. In 2004, um, Dick Gephardt ran for president of the United States. I worked for him. I traveled with him leading up to that election. Um, And during that campaign, every day we were in two or three different states, Uh, The morning started at 6 a.m. and went till 1 o'clock at night. Most of our time was spent going to meetings, raising money, and then talking to voters. Uh, Candidates aren't having to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a different way of campaigning. Heck, Donald Trump's playing golf. Uh, President Biden's showing up at at dinners as a president would, um, but he's not having to go and press the flesh and show up in, in certain places, which I think is kind of what's perpetuating this narrative as to whether or not the president's running. But I can tell you, Amy, I've been in meetings myself within the last month with folks from the DNC and from the Biden White House. If if he's not running, they're pulling one over on me because they are all in. The plan they have put in place, um, the strategy they have behind this president, 
um, as to how they're going to implement this money truly makes me believe that he's going to run. But I can't believe it because I'm not seeing it with my own eyes. We have like 10 seconds. How how late could he go into this process before he announces? Could he announce like four months from sure. now that well, I'm not going to run? Yeah, in February, I believe, or March is when the Democrats have our first primary, which is down in South Carolina. Um, that's when it will start. That's when he'll officially have to be in the race. But I, I think he's in the race. I think mm-hmm. we are just looking at a new way of campaigning. Um, especially with two 80-year-olds who are going to probably fight with each other, and it's going to be Groundhog Day. I feel like we're getting ready to have 2020 all over again. He's Michael Kelly. I'm Amy Mark. Scores after the news. Robert Kagan had an interesting op-ed in the Washington Post about a Trump dictatorship. That's next. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Michael Kelly, Amy Mark. Scores with you on the Chris and Amy Show right here on KMOX. There was a long opinion piece in the Washington Post a few days ago, uh, well, really a, a couple weeks ago now, by Robert Kagan, a historian, critic, his dad. For those of you who are into history, his dad, Donald Kagan, is one of my favorite historians. But this piece, No relation to the uh, Supreme Court, Kagan, right? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think so. But his piece was... A Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending. And it's gained a lot of traction uh, because uh, on both the conservative and more liberal sides, both sides pointing out what they agree or disagree with, right? But I, what it did for me, it did kind of reestablish exactly where we are with Donald Trump. Liz Cheney was on the Dispatch podcast and had a lot of really good things to say. Obviously, she's divisive within the Republican Party. She is persona non grata in the GOP. But she looked at Donald Trump and said, here's the thing. He's not a conservative. We know he's (laughs) not. He doesn't claim to be. He really has a lot of either populist tendencies or a weird fascination with dictatorial tendencies. But she said the principal tenet of conservatism, if you had to pick one, it would be fidelity to the Constitution. That's what we stand for. That's why historically progressives want action. They want action now. Let's use the Supreme Court. Let's use whatever we can to change things radically and immediately. As a conservative, that's how I had always viewed progressive. There's the Chestertonian wall, right, which is if you are Chestertonian fence. If you come to a fence in the woods and nobody knows why it's there, a conservative said, well, there's a reason why somebody put it here. Let's not tear it down. Let's see what the reasons are and see if they're valid. and We should keep it up. Progressives would say, well, let's tear it down. I don't see a reason for it now. And I feel like with with Donald Trump, of course, There's not fidelity to the Constitution. (laughs) And he had said famously years ago that I could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot people and they would still vote for me. And that statement went from being offensive, like I can't believe he said that, to he's right. Yeah. Like it just became a statement of fact. Right. And so I've been unique. I've had a unique seat to watch this transformation that's gone on as a result of Donald Trump. But it started prior to that in the early 2000s and stuff, particularly about the time Barack Obama was around. And we can get into why he may have ignited a lot of this, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly on the right. But I think most of it has to do with the color of his skin. Um, 
we've gotten to a place where um, we had the start of the tea party, right? They were worried about spending, and these were the people who would run around and show you my pocket constitution mm-hmm. that comes with me. And then the tea party it was an offsprout of uh, the Christian right. And now we have this populist bent inside the Republican Party. But the same people who used to lecture me about the Constitution and the people who spent the last three decades of their life working to put people on the Supreme Court who would be strict, um, uh, absolute uh, folks, what's the proper word? Originalists of the Constitution are the ones who are willing to sit by and listen to a man say, I'm going to suspend the Constitution. I'm going to be a dictator for a day. And the reality is, is... I, when what's that Oprah or uh, Maya Angelou said, uh, when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much more we need John Trump to show us that to to believe him. And what's scary to me are the people who used to run around with the Constitution in their pocket and would give me the lectures. Were the same people who were the you know religious people. Were the same people who were concerned about spending. Are now the people who are like it's okay to spend like a drunken sailor. Uh, we no longer believe in this. In fact, most of the decency is out the window. We go out and use bad words and call people names. And now uh, we're okay with somebody suspending the Constitution and acting like a dictator. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, going back to what I grew up with in the Republican Party. It was the Constitution and character. And again, I already mentioned kind of that first rambling definition of conservatives standing athwart history, yelling stop, not tearing down fences just because they're old. We valued the Constitution. We valued character. That's why we didn't like Bill Clinton, right? Bill Clinton was the worst guy ever because he cheated on his wife in the Oval Office. I mean, constitution and character. When I look at Donald Trump, there is neither the constitution nor character upheld as cornerstones of any of that MAGA philosophy. And I, being in the evangelical Christian world, I'm disheartened and dismayed by Trump's stranglehold on a lot of the so-called evangelical right. I, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, and if you go on online and you watch some of these YouTubes, and uh, there's some comedians who do it where they go and interview uh, Trump supporters and ask them questions and make them look foolish. But there are other just plain interviews where the, the there are really no principles. It is almost this cult of personality, deity-like mm-hmm way that that supporters of Donald Trump's are holding um, him to. And it's so contradictory to every aspect of the political philosophies they say they support. Um, But Donald Trump is a a walking, um, you know, I don't know. Contradiction. Yeah, contradiction. I mean, here he is uh, this weekend giving uh, lectures and speeches on immigrants and even legal immigration is a man who was married to two immigrants. Yeah. I, I I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up and, but people were able to follow him so blindly. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, he used some pretty hateful remarks on Saturday. He said, quote, undocumented immigrants are quote, poisoning the blood of our country. Uh, that, <laughs> that sounds like Nazi. Yeah. Stuff. That's, that's rhetoric that is very, very dangerous. And, um, xenophobic, not American. So but, but, he uses but, but dangerous Amy, language like that. Because look, there's there's radio stations, heck, maybe one right here in this same building, who are out there espousing this stuff, who feel as though this is 
This is kind of the what happened to the Republican Party where they are more bought into an individual than the very principles they say they care about. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I said I don't get it. And, and maybe maybe I not that I get it, but I think I see where there was that turning point. There was a huge pushback against Mitt Romney as being just this soft Republican loser. Like you you can't go to battle with Mitt Romney like he's, you know, uh, he's not a man who can fight for what we believe. So that was some of the beginning of the pushback. And I also think we know there was an unheard uh, contingent, large unheard contingent of American society, mainly those in middle America, not California, not the West Coast, not the East Coast, because we know there was an unheard contingent because Donald Trump won and we were surprised. Right. Everybody was surprised. That means how did we all miss that many voters? And I think there was resentment. It started with Mitt Romney being too soft and people ready to, ready to become political pugilists, right? Roll up their sleeves, become more antagonistic, saying, you know what? We're tired of sitting back and playing by the rules. If progressives, if they want to push the limits of the Constitution, fine. But once they start... I think there was a, a a turn, honestly, it could be like the deplorables. Once it became obvious that the more academic elite and these behemoth institutions of culture, whether it's academics or Hollywood or the very outspoken uh, certain corporations, almost kind of looking down on traditional values, saying, well, if you are, you know, a traditional, say even like a Bible believer, you're backwards. I remember reading an article in Scientific American that put people who believed they'd been abducted by aliens, uh, Bigfoot mm-hmm. believers and creationists in the same basket as being wackadoodle. There is a lot of people who believe God created the world, right? Uh, I'm one of them. And so they put them in this wackadoodle basket where you were considered backwards. You were considered rubes. I think there were people who felt frustrated because if they started using language that was always acceptable, even remember Amy Coney Barrett when she said sexual preference instead of sexual orientation, like that's a microaggression that shows that she's <laughs> she's right. bigoted. I think people had used sexual preference for a long time, right. and they, there wasn't there wasn't time for people to change. And, and the but, pronouns, I think people became resentful and then just turned their backs okay. on any principle. But how did if if that is the way that it's evolved and folks Mm -hmm. uh, are it's a pushback against this why is it that acting like a bigger jerk has become Mm -hmm. the answer Um, why how is it that the same people who are saying hey look you you know you discounted my faith Mm -hmm. you insulted my belief system are okay with using words like cuck and all this Mm -hmm. other extreme right stuff that's being pushed by President Trump uh, saying that the blood of America is being tainted. I mean, totally right within the realm of realm of the way the Nazis. Spoke. Yeah, yeah. Why I, is that acceptable? I mean, I think that's the the big question because you can feel slighted, you can feel mocked and dismissed, which I think in a lot of ways, yes, the heart of America feels, but it doesn't justify that action. And I think what the left word movement of the Democratic Party and these titans of culture, I think what it exposed was a weak Republican Party, a Republican Party that was breaking down in principles and 
weak theology within whoever, whatever these churches, you know, are. There's a weak, broken theology, and it exposed that. Yeah. Because there are no principles being adhered to right now in the GOP except for this aggressive anger, anger, drink liberal tears. I mean, the Turning Point USA uh, conference is going on right now. They're selling a liberal tears in bottled water for two eighty five a bottle. This is weird. This is just weird. It's weird. That's weird stuff. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, but, but, but I, I think, also I think get it why is. that message is connecting with people, though, because I often think about I, I truly believe. Well, we're running out of time, but I, I truly believe that most people want to help their fellow man. And I think most of the people in the St. Louis area that maybe lean left, uh, like myself, want to help others mm-hmm. who can't help themselves. That's the role that we think government should play in people's lives. At the same time, many of the standard barriers on the left, and I'm thinking particularly about my congressman here in the city of St. Louis, is lecturing me as a Democrat that the reason someone else's life is terrible mm-hmm. is because of some of the advantages that 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 others face, have. And I think about that guy in St. Charles who's driving into his job every day to swing his hammer who's being lectured about how, you know, this guy's health insurance is higher and his kid, you know, should have more opportunity when, guess what? The price of their dental bills going up, tuition's costing him at the same time, and he wants to help others, but he's being told that the reason that other people's lives are in a bad spot is because directly of him mm. um, and or, or her. And I think that's where Republicans are winning some of this message points because life isn't easy. Even if you have kind of attained some of the American dream, it's still tough. Prices are going up. And, you know, at the end of the day, that little button of hatred that's inside all of us seems to ring louder than the empathy button, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And we'll, we'll continue this at 12 because I think there's a lot of Uh, a lot more conversation to be had around all of this. And like I say, I say it from a personal standpoint because I see a Republican Party that I don't recognize anymore. He's Michael Kelly. I'm Amy Marks-Gores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Michael Kelly, I don't know if you've ever lost something valuable, but a woman uh-huh. in uh, Paris, oh, actually, I, I shouldn't say a woman. It was, yeah, a businesswoman. Okay. Was a guest at a hotel in Paris. Mm-hmm. She lost a ring worth 750,000 euros. Which is going to be about a million dollars. That's about a million bucks. Yeah. She lost a ring and she filed a police report uh, after she suspected an employee stole it. So it was at the Ritz-Carlton and they were cleaning the rooms and searching everything that had been cleaned in the rooms. And they found the ring in a vacuum bag. Oh, my God! They sifted through all of the vacuum bags. Yep, at this Ritz Hotel and found her ring and returned it. What'd she give them, $3, $5? Don't you, you ever heard those stories about people who get, get return yeah. stuff and then they don't ever think about it? So I've uh, never had a ring until I got engaged, right? Yeah. And I, um, a couple of weeks after being engaged and it was on my finger, 
night we had friends over and I was doing dishes and I went to bed and I put the ring in the box because that's where you, you can't put it <laughs> yeah, places. Yeah, no. You put it in one place, right. the box. And I woke up and we I went for a run. I got cleaned up and this was Thanksgiving morning, Uh-oh. right? And great, we're getting ready to go to my parents' house. We're leaving in a few minutes. I open the box. The ring's not in the box. Uh-huh. Now, I put the ring in the box. I thought the night before. I it wasn't in the box, which means Oh my gosh, I didn't put it in the box. Right. That means where did I put it? Where where did you put it? And I almost passed out. I'm a fainter anyway. Uh Uh-huh. I was like (gasps) hyperventilating. I start crying. We're looking the house looking through the house. I'm like, I'm never gonna find it. I'm never gonna find it. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I took it off when I did the dishes. Oh. So we need to check the pipes. Oh, my. Because I cleaned off the counter. And you know what else we need to do? I could have thrown it away. Well, we where need to is check it? all the Come trash on. bags. Quit holding us in suspense. Where was it? Well, this is how awful it was. I start just like hyperventilating, so- hyperventilating sobbing, going to pass out. We're sifting through. Uh, Mason Jar is like sticking his hand to the garbage disposal. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take out the little uh-huh. trap. We're sifting through trash bags. And by the grace of God, I have this thought. What if I put it in the pocket of my jeans while I was washing the dishes. And I run upstairs and I grab the jeans that had worn the night before and it was there. Good for you. And I was just sobbing uncontrollably. (laughs) It was the worst feeling. I was like, we're gonna have, oh my gosh, like I've had the ring for two weeks. Wow. That would have been scary. Okay, I I was gonna pass out. So I have a funny one for you and I know we're short on time but a friend of mine her husband had given her a uh, a necklace, mm-hmm. uh, like a chain type necklace, for uh, a birthday or something like a year ago, right? And so she was going to wear it to an event this coming uh, for a Christmas party. So she goes to find the necklace, goes to into her jewelry box. It's not there. She looks everywhere. And she's like, oh, my God, my husband's going to be mortified. What am I going to do? How am I going to explain to him that I lost this necklace? So she, after two days of looking for this necklace, she goes and decides, I'm just going to buy another one. (gasps) This was special. She puts the necklace on. They wind up having a surprise party for her. She goes to the birthday party. She's got the necklace on. The husband sees her and was like, hey, that looks awesome, your necklace, and you look so good, baby. Thanks for wearing that, yada, yada, yada. She opens up her present. He had gone and got the necklace and got an pendant to put on it. So she was trying to, like, spare him by, you know, like, I lost the necklace when he was the one who took it and a pendant and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that have been miserable? That would have been awful. But you got to appreciate your wife, like, not wanting to disappoint you. Yeah. But uh, is that a good story? That's makes me feel sick to my stomach, to be honest. So did you see that? We're done with that. We're done with that. He's Michael Kelly. I'm Amy Markscores. In just a minute, Dr. Claire Martin, assistant professor in the counseling department at Webster University, will join us talking about the holiday blues. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 